Are the kids in bed? I think so. Oh, good. Hello, Minnesota. I'm Tony. And I'm Leona. Welcome to our very first broadcast of Hello, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us. On today's show, we'll talk about what we've been up to thus far in this crazy year of 2020, and we'll breach a controversial topic. Mm-mm. Is Father Altman right? Will you go to hell if you vote Democrat? Oh my, but first we got to give some updates. We're broadcasting live uh, at our home in Dent, Minnesota, mm-hmm. population 143. I think we made it, 148. Uh, we're not going to be up here permanently. We've had this cabin now for, gosh, I don't know, a number oh, of years. years. Yeah, it, but let me just say it's it's beautiful. The fall colors are on their way to peaking. Mm-hmm. Still uh, pretty warm. We were in the warm. water yesterday. Yeah, Max went tubing and cruise the other day. Should we tell him about the little emergency? He was washing his little hands after helping his mama make pancakes. And I was actually on my way to church in Pelican Rapids. And I was about to, you know, I went to this beautiful drive on Highway 108. It's right by Maplewood State Park in Minnesota. I'm admiring the trees. I'm all by myself about to go to mass. And all of a sudden I get a phone call and I answer and I hear crews screaming in the background and he apparently turned around on the stool fell and hit his head on the side of the trash can went face first into the metal trash can and gashed up the bridge of his nose Mm -hmm. and he had like a diagonal bruise over his he's like he didn't hurt himself more but whenever a situation arises and it's usually Cruz out of our kids our three children Cruz is the one who uh, he just ends up he just recently broke his wrist he'll, he'll bash his head the there's, only broken bone in our family yeah there's one day where he got three fat lips mm-hmm. like within like a six hour period of time one on the top two on the bottom uh, but I so I worry about him and yeah. you know my like I said my PTSD uh, kicks in whenever we reach a trauma situation like that but he's fine he didn't Thankfully. need stich- stitches actually my dad looked at him my dad's a physician and he said no he he pictures sh- yeah i shouldn't need stitches but we did get some of the cement so i had to go into town and, and the find glue that. but anyways fun times uh 2020 it's just another cherry on top for the year it's been an incredible year it's been a year that we uh, didn't expect to go the way that it did um leona was uh, in new york city at the very beginning of the pandemic uh, she volunteered to go out there and work in an icu and i was paid to be clear but i did i did willingly go but it was it was amazing because <laughs> just how everything kind of falls into place sometimes it's 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 hard to describe but we had spent the year prior at least in the depths of our deepest and longest and and most emotionally draining marital conflict uh, in our eight years of marriage. Mm -hmm. It centered around uh, education. Leona was homeschooled. I went to private schools, nativity for first grade through eighth grade, St. Thomas Academy. And besides for one year in grade school, Leona was homeschooled the whole time. Then she went to Trinity Mm -hmm. and Big uh, argument over brick and mortar school versus homeschool. Yeah. So we, we sent Max to Nativity for the first year. So I guess right. in a way we started our, our conflict or realized our conflict too late. So we sent him to Nativity. He had a great year. He, he had did. An awesome teacher. 
He made a ton of friends there. He loved his classmates. Uh, Miss Wollen, Kate Wollen's just great there. Uh, everything about Nativity we, we loved, but we found out, and it took us a while. I don't know why we didn't know earlier, but I always thought we were going to send our kids to Nativity. I'd assume that from the days we were dating, if we were able to have children, blessed to have children, that they would go to Nativity. And I never talked to Leona. I, she never talked to me, I guess. And we talked about a lot of things in Before. premarital counseling and, and all that. But education for kids was not one of the subjects that came up. But can you talk a little bit? Just, I mean. Yeah. And I didn't have a plan for where how our kids would be educated if we had them. But I just assumed that we would decide whatever made the most sense with one or both of our jobs and with our children's needs. Um, and yeah, it was definitely a conversation that we simply never had. It grew in intensity. We're both very <laughs> strong-willed, some would say stubborn, our parents would probably say stubborn type people. Uh, we, when we believe something, we're, we're all in and it's hard to alter the course. And so that's what we found in our marriage so far, especially with this, is really there's, there's not much compromise to make in in between homeschooling or doing like a formal education uh, i made the suggestion why don't we send max and Cruz and, and dia in the future to nativity and we can still homeschool and do additional work at home uh, but you didn't agree with that or what did you say well so nativity was wonderful and i know there are um, other amazing schools as well i love with homeschool at this age at least i love that our kids can be together with their siblings for more of the day. And I love that we can be together during the typically more peaceful hours of the day. Um, While I loved everything that happened when Max was at Nativity, I didn't like picking him up around the time of day when everyone was, was crankiest and most tired and then having to think about dinner and all of that. So, um, that's a big reason why I really love homeschooling, that we can be together during those hours. And I love that Cruz just kind of cruises our four-year-old, that he um, just naturally and kind of organically does does school with Max and with us. And um, it's just very natural for Max to kind of teach him what he's learning. And Max learns in that way. Cruz starts to learn in that way. And um, I just like, I like that aspect of it at this age when they're so young. So if you, anyone out there has been in, in a deep conflict with somebody that you've, you've had a relationship with or marital conflict in particular, it's a lot like politics in a way where the longer it goes on and you go through this phase where you really dig in your own trench and you dig in further, uh, every time that we would bring up the topic of conversation because Leona is very much a planner she wanted to know way 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 ahead of time exactly what we were doing and every time we would have the conversation about what we were going to do with school whether to homeschool or continue with nativity uh, our emotions would get involved and it seemed to get more heated as the days and the weeks progressed and the pressure built that we needed to make a decision and neither of us was budging like I have I have some stereotypes about homeschooling, you know, just going, having the educational experience that I did. You know, I would say things like, I don't want our kids to be Amish or 
nothing against Amish people, but just that, you know, I didn't want them living like it's socially backwards. You know, that school is a place, you know, where uh, socialization can occur, where friendships occur, where kids play sports. I had a great experience at my school. And um, so I wanted Max and I want our kids to have the exact same experiences that I had. And, and it really took a lot to really try to see like the other side and so when we'd bring these conversations up, it would get emotional. And I guess kind of the peak, you know, we don't fight in front of our children. Uh, typically. Yeah, typically, never. We try not to. We hardly even raise our voices with each other, although we do. But there was this particular time where we were discussing this and, and we were making dinner at the same time. And I don't know what I said exactly, but it was probably immature and overly emotional and Leona got so frustrated that she threw the spatula into the taco meat and the taco meat went flying everywhere. And poor Dia, I look over and poor Dia is looking at, at us both like, what is going on? What are you, why are you two acting like children? And, and it really just struck me then and there. And I knew before, like, it was going to have to be me that was going to have to give up kind of what I wanted or what I envisioned because I saw more and more every time that we talked that we talked about this, how passionately and how much Leona really wanted to have this experience, you know, with our kids, with, uh, while, you know, at this stage, we're not set on homeschooling forever, but it took me time. We talked to other parents. I learned that homeschooling, some, a lot of the stereotypes that I had were just completely foolish that there's still plenty of opportunities for friendships, for sports, for activities. And in fact, we could even invest more in those in certain ways if, if we wanted to. And, and then I saw some of the freedom, you know, that it would allow our family. And uh, so I slowly started to come around. And, and it really, you know, was that point where the taco meat went flying, though, that, that I, I kind of in my head was like, okay, I'm going to have to just let this go. And it still took some time for me to let it go. Uh, but then I did. And I accepted it. And I decided that I'm going to invest myself into it. That I'm not just going to let Leona do it. And um, so we're, at, we're a number of weeks into homeschooling now. But the, the real interesting part, though, is when, when we finally had this breakdown, come to each other moments, the moment of surrender, uh, that's when uh, the rumors that, that um, the pandemic was coming to the U.S. started yeah. to hit our shores. Cases started to pop up in Minnesota. And then the school shut down. Mm -hmm. And people, the health experts, were telling us that we we're going to be locked down for the next uh, 15 days. And that turned into 30. And it turned into longer than that. But we don't want to go into that right now. But it... it um, it made us realize that homeschooling probably wasn't such a bad idea, even though Nativity's open now um, and they're doing great, I hear. And they've, they've taken a lot of the safety precautions and exceeded those. And so we're really proud that Nativity and all the schools who, who were um, courageous enough and had, that opened up that they did. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're homeschooling and we love it uh, so and far. And I give you a lot of credit for for genuinely jumping in and uh, not just not just trying it and being supportive of me, but fully uh, homeschooling 
along with me. And actually in Florida, when I took most recently a four-week nursing contract there, I was working a lot of hours, 60 hours a week, night shift. And uh, Tony just jumped right in and exclusively started homeschooling with, we had already received some of our uh, curricula and he started using that right away with Max and yeah, we love it. What's what's the math book called? The that's math I is the good and the beautiful. It's called the good and the beautiful. Is that the name of the company? Too? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's very straightforward. There's 120 lessons. Uh, it's basically one per day. It probably takes yeah. a half hour to 45 minutes. I got all these various activities and mm-hmm. a lot of hands-on work. But yeah, we we like it. Max still mm-hmm. dreads you know school, but you know it's uh, it's going once we well. get started, he's yeah he becomes fine. engaged. But yeah, it's the anticipation of it, mm-hmm. just like regular school, it has the same effect. You know, you never really want to wake up in the morning and go to school, but then once mm-hmm. you're doing it, once you're there, it's great. Yeah. So back to the show now. Yeah. We are going to do this podcast. Uh, we're calling this series "Hello Minnesota," and. We're following the arc of the 2020 election, post-election, and all the current events surrounding that. We've been discussing uh, politics and social issues and and, and Catholic faith issues pretty uh, substantially over the last number of months, as I'm sure a lot of people have. A lot of people are becoming uh, more and more engaged in what's going on socially and politically um, they're active. They're paying attention. There's so much information out there at our fingertips um, on Facebook, social media, all the websites, YouTube. Twitter. <laughs> and it's almost like we're being bombarded with all these messages and um, all these conflicted statements and, and facts. And so we've just been engaged in deep discussions about kind of where we are as a country, where we are as a state. Mm-hmm and where we're heading. And so the show that we, Hello Minnesota, we want to focus on is politics and religion, the mm-hmm. forbidden topics. Yes. <laughs> and we want to discuss them in a way that we invites- We throw money in there too. Invites uh, conversation, mm-hmm. non-judgmental. Like none of us are uh, casting judgments or taking the role of, of God. We don't mean to do that by no means, but we do want to get into controversial subjects because we think that it's important to talk about uh, these issues with uh, logic and mm-hmm. um, reason and cross-checking. So mm-hmm. we may get our facts wrong every once in a while, but we will correct it. Mm-hmm. And we certainly appreciate people... Uh, Spreading the word about the podcast too, and if you have any ideas in what for we topics should, yeah, or topics, conversations that would be interesting to have, or, comments or yep. public comments, we invite all of that. And uh, so, going into the first topic, yeah. So Father Altman, he's a priest from La Crosse, Wisconsin. Neither Tony nor I had heard about him until recently. Um, he I found out about him on Facebook. Yeah, same. Um, he re- he's released a few videos, I don't know how many, but on August 30th, he released a video where in the course of the video, he says, quote, here's a memo to clueless baptized Catholics out there. You cannot be Catholic and be a Democrat, period. 
The party platform absolutely is against everything the Catholic Church teaches, so just quit pretending that you're Catholic and vote Democrat. Repent of your support of that party and its platform, or face the fires of hell. So if you want to find the link, uh, we'll try to include it uh, somewhere, but if you Googled uh, Father James Altman, uh, you can't be a Catholic and Democrat, Mm -hmm. uh, that should pop up. Um, So... Um, so a couple things. It's controversial. And let me just say, sorry to interrupt, but a little more about the video in case you don't, in case you don't look at it. There's a lot more to the video and he's made a series of videos. So there's a lot more context to this. And the quote that Leona read was probably the most inflammatory quote and it got a lot of attention. Um, if you watch the videos, you'll notice there's, it's, it's produced in a way where there's a lot of imagery there's music um, that kind of overplays while he's talking. There's a lot of fast cuts. So it's definitely produced to uh, influence or persuade. And probably undoubtedly the rhetoric that he's using is, is and, and this is just my opinion, but he's, he's getting attention, right? Mm-hmm. He's bringing attention to his message, um, whether or not it's a, a positive way re- remains open to debate, but really what we're going to focus on is the question that, that he raised. If you're a Catholic, a conscious Catholic, and you vote Democrat, will you go to hell, as he asserts? So I think that there are two things to think about. One, is that particular statement, which is getting all the media attention, correct? And then two, what is the overall point of his video? So um, I think if we look, if you look at the Baltimore Catechism, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, or the Catechism of the Council of Trent, um, all catechisms of the Catholic Church, um, I, I think he is wrong in saying that if you vote Democrat, you'll go to hell. Um, the Catechism of the Catholic Church defines what will potentially send you to hell, and it's mortal sin. Um, that's in 1037. And then if you go to 1857, it defines mortal sin. For a sin to be mortal, three conditions must together be met. Mortal sin is sin whose object is grave matter, and which is also committed with full knowledge and deliberate consent. So um, for what Father Altman what Father Altman said to be true, anyone who is doing something has to be doing something that is gravely wrong, and they have to have full knowledge and deliberate consent to doing something that's wrong. Um, In 2004, Pope Benedict, at the time Cardinal Ratzinger, uh, discussed this. He was specifically talking about whether actual politicians who support abortion and euthanasia Uh, whether they are in a place to receive Holy Communion. Um, He essentially said, no, he said, consistently campaigning and voting for permissive abortion and euthanasia laws should those people should not present themselves to receive communion. At the end of this letter, though, he does say, quote... And he's talking about politicians there, elected, public politicians, government people. Yes, thank you. At the end of this letter, he clarifies that voters are only considered to be formally cooperating in the evil of support for abortion or euthanasia if their votes were, quote, precisely because of the candidate's permissive stand on those issues. Votes for that candidate for other reasons, um, that is considered remote material cooperation, so not formal cooperation. 
and the remote material cooperation can be permitted in the presence of proportionate reasons. So I think that um, I think it's pretty clear in Father Altman's video that he's he's talking about abortion. Um, I think he's probably talking about some other things too, but that seems to be well. He's he's actually since he's made this video too, he has doubled down and made another video. And I don't know if it was in the first one or the second one. And I and I'm sub quoting him here, but he has made the assertion as well that everything on the Democratic platform is uh, against the teachings of the church. I, I read it. He doesn't say everything on the platform is against it, but what he does say is the party platform absolutely is against everything the Catholic Church teaches. And I don't think it's true that the Democratic well, we Party platform the, We went is. to the 2020 platform and, you know, just reading it, there's, there's, and it's, and it's worded in a way too that's confusing, which brings all mm-hmm. of the politics into it. But, yeah. you know, there's plenty on the Democratic platform that, you know, doesn't cross the teachings of the church. So um, that part, you know, again, I think it goes back to, you know, this is maybe where he is crossing the line. Maybe not. Other people would say not. Um, But, you know, making these, what do you call it? The statement when you use use never and always, you know, and and making it so black and and white, you know, that, that it's not in fact really, um, where we live, especially considering you know your average everyday uh, American voter or even Catholic uh, voter, we should be informed. We should be all researching it. We should be paying attention uh, to what's happening in the U.S. Congress in our local politics. Uh, but the real fact of the matter is, is most of us are not paying attention, and it's to the ones who do and the ones who have. Uh, it's becoming increasingly difficult to actually determine even what's fact, what's fiction, what's yeah. true, what's not. Yeah. And so that's why it's there's so much gray area in this politics that um, you know you can bring it back, I guess, to where the fuel for his fire is maybe deriving from. We're entering into the uh, 2020 general election. We're about mm-hmm. 40 days away from the election right now, and um, the question that many voters are facing is 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 who do i vote for mm-hmm. biden so, or trump mm-hmm. so father Ullman does say that it is wrong to give direct or indirect support of of a diabolical agenda that's um, one of his quotes in the video so i do believe that the democratic platform regarding abortion so specifically regarding abortion i'm not saying the entire democratic platform but the democratic platform regarding abortion certainly is a diabolical agenda and if you are a practicing catholic um the church is very clear about that um one place in the catechism of the catholic church 1930 respect for the human person entails respect for the rights that flow from his dignity as a creature these rights are prior to society and must be recognized by it they are the basis of the moral legitimacy of every authority by flouting them or refusing to recognize them in its positive legislation a society undermines its own moral legitimacy again in 2273 the inalienable right to life of every innocent human individual is a constitutive element of a civil society and its legislation. Um, so I think that the church is extremely clear about about its stance on abortion in particular and the importance and the dignity of every human life prior to birth and, of course, after birth and until death. Um, 
Well, so bringing this back to the actual vote at hand, Mm -hmm. I think that putting a little bit of historical context is important. So there are many people who who vehemently disagree with our president. They um, have very strong beliefs against the president. And they uh, they subscribe to these beliefs, okay? And so in, in this has been true from his candidacy and has becoming even increasingly so uh, now leading into the uh, re-election. So in 2016, when we were faced with uh, the choice between Hillary Clinton and President Trump, and then there were a number of third-party candidates, which we won't get into at this point, uh, a, an argument that was made uh, by many Catholic conservatives, so Catholics who typically would vote Republican, is they did not they question whether or not Donald Trump was actually pro-life. You know, and there was a, a strong narrative out there that you know he 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 was just faking that he was pro-life because he realized he needed to be under the Republican tent, and so he was just basically paying lip service uh, to the issue. Uh, but he was saying the right things in the debate in terms of what pro-life people would expect, like a pro-life candidate to say. But they questioned what he would actually do, and they also questioned, uh, you know, his heart yeah. um, because he had made some pro-choice statements in the past. Mm-hmm. He supported every politician, and he he admitted, and he's been honest with that. Mm-hmm. So you know that was the argument being made, and then Justice Scalia passed on. You know, in 2016, which opened up his seat and it made the 2016 choice uh, that much more important. There was uh, still a number of people who were never Trumpers. I put that in quotation marks. They didn't vote for him. But really, that open seat was uh, basically the determining factor where many conservative Catholics, uh, symbolically or figuratively, held their nose and they voted for President Trump and uh, he won the election obviously and uh, shortly thereafter he nominated uh, and eventually this person was sworn in a judge a justice Supreme Court justice who was universally praised as being a constitutional mm-hmm. um, 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 interpreter of the law and then he appointed another one Justice Kavanaugh uh, who is also, um, I mean, he's considered a constitutional justice. So in those ways, he actually relieved the conscience of a lot of people who put their faith in him in 2016 in the hopes that he would fill the seat with people who believe in the foundational principles of the country. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, so just to finish my my thought from before because I think you're kind of moving on to the second point so I think the Catholic Church is very clear that a Catholic cannot um, support a diabolical agenda specifically when it comes to actual murder of life Um, however Pope Benedict gives some clarification that if quote votes for that candidate meaning a candidate who supports abortion or euthanasia Votes for that candidate for other reasons is considered remote material cooperation, which can be permitted in the presence of proportionate reasons. So I think that it's clear that if a practicing Catholic is going to vote for someone who is pro-abortion, they do need to have proportionate reasons. So I think that's one thing that needs to be discussed. Mm-hmm. The second thing that needs to be discussed, which is I think what you were going so what's into the implication rightly, for 
is that is Trump pro-life when it comes to abortion. So Tony brought up the Supreme Court justices um, that he did follow through in that regard. He was the first to single out the first ever, I believe, to single out Planned Parenthood in his proposed spending budget in, I think, 2018. Um, He reinstated the Hyde Amendment, which um, I think it's good to know it. It bars federal funds for abortion, except in cases of incest, rape and when the life of the mom when the life of the woman is at risk um so it does bar federal funds for abortion but not in those cases um and biden has been clear that he would uphold the hyde amendment um in addition uh under trump's administration nine billion dollars of foreign aid to fund abortion was ended um so that's abortion overseas um, I think that that is a really big deal. And then, of course, if we look at his uh, the Trump administration's support for conscience clauses for healthcare providers, I think that's a very big deal, regardless of where you stand. I think that's important that conscience clauses are upheld. Um, he's defended the little sisters from having to provide medical abortions and contraception. And then we can even look at other other issues such as war. Um, what about the Mexico? Mexico City? Uh, he stopped $9 billion of foreign aid to fund abortions. So a large part of that funding was going to Mexico City under Obama. Um, and then Trump's Trump ended that. Um, I know that they are still, I don't know what amount of funding, I know that they still receive funding from us. So it's not that he, he carte blanche ended all funding, but funding specifically for abortions overseas. Um, any of his strikes under Trump have been very surgical strikes with minimal to zero loss of human life. That's um, an important factor. It is, yeah, and has kept us out of new wars, which um, obviously Bush did not do and neither did Obama. Um, I think we all know that the drone strikes under Obama were not very surgical um, and at least in many cases did and did lead to the loss of life of civilians. So I think those are important things to look at in terms of what we're actually weighing um, with embryonic stem cell research, Trump has not been, uh, he has not ended that as much as Bush did, but he did restrict it. Um, so it's more restricted under Trump than it was under Obama. Euthanasia, it's honestly really difficult to find what either Trump or Biden um, stand for on that. So I'll have to look. In terms of capital punishment, um, I think it's clear that Trump supports capital punishment, which I personally disagree with. I think there's still a little bit of... Um, Discussion. I know that Pope Francis made some statements against it, but there's still some discussion on what is binding. Is capital punishment always wrong or is capital punishment allowed if there is no other way to keep the criminal out of society? But while that discussion is important, I also think it's important to recognize the fact that um, many people were put to death under the Obama-Biden administration. So people sometimes say that they were not pro-capital punishment. And I don't know, personally, maybe they are less pro-capital punishment than Trump seems to be. But in terms of the number of people killed under the administration's, um, at least in the years I've looked at under the Obama-Biden administration, more people were put to death via capital punishment than under Trump. So I still think even when it comes to capital punishment, it's not a clear-cut choice. So that's one thing to look at. Well, let's 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 give the other point of view here. Because, yeah. I mean, I saw something on Facebook yesterday, and I found it pretty convincing when I first looked at it. Uh-huh. It was a, a meme, a graph, mm-hmm. uh, which essentially is making the argument that uh, Catholic Uh, pro-life Catholics can vote for Biden. They can vote Democrat because when there's Democratic 
uh, presidential administrations, and, and they use recent history. So uh, going from uh, Reagan to the first Bush to Clinton, Bill Clinton to um, uh, the second Bush to Obama, and they use uh, um, uh, numbers based, uh, you know, on per one thousand women abortions per one thousand women, mm-hmm. and they show in this graph in the meme that uh, under the Democratic presidential administrations that abortion rates uh, dropped, mm-hmm. and during uh, Republican administrations it drops less is basically what it is. Mm-hmm. It's still going down. So we did some just some research into this meme because it, it's it's a powerful argument and i think that it's an argument that's going uh, around in a lot of catholic circles right yeah. now uh, but what did, we, what did we find out when we i remember this also in 2016 and in 2016 we obviously didn't have any data on trump so one thing to point out is according to the guttmacher institute the research branch of planned parenthood um in 2019 so under the Trump administration, the abortion rate was 13.5 abortions per 1,000 women. This is the lowest rate ever observed in the United States since abortion was legalized in 1973. In 1973, the year abortion became legal, the rate was 16.3. Um, so one thing I think to point out this year when we do have some actual history with Trump is that the abortion rate has gone down under Trump. Um so I think that's one thing to consider. Yeah, and it's 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 so when we're looking at this data, what we're seeing, I think, to say in other words of what you just said, but since Roe versus Wade uh, in in what was that nineteen seventy three yeah. to uh, the current years on record, mm-hmm. there is a, a significant downward trend in uh, abortion rates, and it reached its historic low in two thousand seventeen. So. Uh, and there isn't data after that. It takes them some time to get the data. So yeah. that's why we say that year. Because so it's, it it's I guess what we're trying to say is that it's, it's difficult to attribute this decline into any uh, administration. It's just this is what's happening on a ma- macro level. And uh, there's some reasons behind this that are theorized anyways. And what did we find with one of the explanations is that birth rates and pregnancies Uh, just those rates are going down and have been going down dramatically. Mm -hmm. And so it's correlating the data to the abortion rates as well. Yeah. So fertility is going down essentially, right? Yeah, I don't know about fertility, but pregnancy. Um, I do think it's interesting though, even Guttmacher does account for that. They talk about, I believe they call it the abortion ratio. It's in here. I'm just trying to find it again. Um, So they do account for that. And even the abortion ratio, the number of abortions per pregnancies has also gone down under the Trump administration. But yeah, I think it's it's So the bottom line is if you're going to use that meme, you you have to use the most recent data Mm -hmm. and it's at the absolute lowest rates ever in 2017 and yeah. president trump is is the president then yeah. so if you want to subscribe to that correlational data then based off of that and then based off of um the the record that we just recited that leona shared with um what president trump has done mm-hmm. um for the pro-life cause since he's taken office you know you, you'd almost have to conclude that you have to vote for president trump if that's a big issue for you right if it's, yes and it is a big issue and it should be i think vote. the church is clear that it has to be i mean not just that that the church has a very clear stance on abortion but that the church has a very clear stance on what 
the purpose of civil society is regarding the inalienable right to life of every human individual beginning before birth, beginning at conception. Um, and kind of to to compare that, the church has I, the Catholic Church's Catholic social teaching is really, really beautiful, and I recommend even just Googling Catholic Church, Catholic social teaching. It's beautiful. Um, I almost think everyone would agree with the main tenets, regardless of any theist beliefs. Um, but in the Catechism 2423, it says, the Church's social teaching proposes principles for reflection. It provides criteria for judgment. It gives guidelines for action. So one example, when the Catholic Church talks about the economy, it talks about the importance between a balance between the right to private property and the universal destination of goods. So this is just one example where they're giving guidelines and criteria that we can then use for judgment. So they give these principles, but not very clear, direct, the law must always say this or the law must always do that. But when we look at abortion, um, the church is very clear that life begins at conception and the law must be protecting this. And it, the catechism even talks about the law um, the law having repercussions for those performing abortions. So it's very clear in this sense. So I think that if well, you are going to vote to, for someone who does who is not in line with the church's teaching on this very clear matter, then according to Pope Benedict, this can be permitted in the presence of proportionate reasons. So I think the discussion does have to be, are there proportionate reasons to vote for someone who we know is is wanting to work against church teaching when it comes to the inalienable right to life of every human being beginning at the point of conception. Well, not to mention as well, like um, Vice President Biden is a proclaimed Catholic. Mm-hmm. He campaigns that he's Catholic, yeah. and I think especially this year, even I feel. more clear from what you've re- reviewed is that if you're a proclaimed Catholic and you are in uh, elected office. And you are actively supporting policies that are in direct violation of the most fundamental teachings of the church. Uh, it's pretty clear that that's not really approved in any case. Is that right? Yeah. It's. I mean, based on what both the Catechism of the Catholic Church and the Catechism of the Council of Trent say, I think that's true. So, you know, putting this back into layman's terms, like we're faced with, you know, either Biden or Trump is going to be president. And, you know, I don't want to get into, like, I know people feel uh, very strongly about how they feel about President Trump. And if, you know, if that person really believes deep down inside that that he's evil incarnate, you know, that that there's no way that morally they could vote for such a person, um, you can't argue with that belief. I mean, you know, we you can, but... we're not trying to change that, but what we may want to point out, though, is can that person, if they really believe that, and they're Catholic and they're an informed Catholic, mm-hmm. can they vote for Biden? And that would come down to the proportional mm-hmm. argument. Or, Are there proportionate reasons to vote for him, knowing what church teaching is regarding both the economy and issues of life. And you're obligated, you know, if you are that person, you're obligated to explain what, proportionate reasons what those reasons are mm-hmm. it can't just be trump's bad or trump's evil or trump's this or that like you have to make the argument that i am voting for biden because of these proportional reasons that outweigh the uh, violating the most basic teaching of the church 
So really, I guess con- in conclusion, you know, if you are that person, we we probably think you have to vote third party. Let me just clarify one thing here, though. I don't think that every Catholic voter who's going to vote for Biden needs to publicly defend their vote in terms of how it's in line with the teaching of the Catholic Church. I guess what I'm referencing more are um, uh, there's a lot of uh, division out there. There's a lot of people who are outspoken. So I guess I'm more addressing the Catholics who are uh, publicly shaming other Catholics, conservative Catholics who are voting for President Trump. They're being shamed on social media. They're being shamed within their communities. So it's to these people that uh, I'm making the challenge that if you're going to shame somebody for voting for President Trump because you believe he's a terrible human being and that no Christian could possibly ever vote for Trump, which I've heard multiple times, many people make this argument. If you're going to do that, then especially as a Catholic and if you're voting for Biden, I do believe you have to come out and you have to explain in line with Catholic Church teachings why it is that you're voting for Biden, knowing what we know and what we just went through. Yeah, and I think just a point that we didn't say yet, but both something that's clear to both of us, uh, contrary to what Father Altman said, once a person is baptized Catholic, that person is always Catholic. Uh, another statement that Father Altman made that we so disagree. you're saying he said that you're, you're not... That, that you can somehow lose your Catholic nature? Well, he said that no Catholic voted for Obama because no Catholic can vote Democrat. And I think that is untrue. If you are a baptized Catholic, you are always Catholic. So I think he was wrong in that statement. And I also think when he says that the platform of the Democratic Party is against all of Catholic Church teaching, I think he is wrong in that area. That being said... I think it's important that Catholics are clear about um, the beautiful church teaching that we do have. Um, and I think we both want to affirm the following truth found in the Catechism 2273 as a consequence of the respect as a consequence of the respect and protection which must be ensured for the unborn child from the moment of conception, the law must provide appropriate penal sanctions for every deliberate violation of the child's rights. The inalienable right to life of every innocent human individual is a constitutive element of a civil society and its legislation. End quote. So while, for example, ensuring an option for the poor and vulnerable, another one of our our principles of Catholic social teaching, while that is an absolutely necessary aspect of being Catholic, there is the need for discussion regarding the very best way to protect the dignity of the poor. More jobs, better paying jobs, year-round employment, welfare, types of welfare, etc. When it comes to abortion, the church is clear that there is no room for discussion about whether it's best to kill innocent life or not kill innocent life. And so in that sense, I do think it's important um, not, again, I totally agree with you. It's not that everybody needs to make a public statement about how they're voting, but particularly the Catholics who are very outspoken about Biden being their choice and Trump being an abominable choice. I think if they're making that claim without publicly, without explaining um, 
in Pope Benedict's words, the presence of proportionate reasons. So if a practicing Catholic is choosing to vote for a candidate who we all know works for the direct destruction of innocent life, then I think it's important to explain how, even with voting for that person, um, you believe that their, that your vote will further other principles of Catholic social teaching to such a degree that the continued lawful murder of the innocent is negligible. Um, so while I think Father uh, Altman did say, make some incorrect statements, I think to only point out what he said that's wrong without also defending the innocent in the way that our church does so beautifully um, is, is really doing a disservice to to the country and to um, our fellow brothers and sisters. So I think kind of in conclusion, I think each principle of Catholic social teaching must be considered and accounted for in all of our actions, including voting. Uh, Knowingly voting directly against one of these principles is a decision that in all we find cannot be taken lightly by practicing Catholics. Um, And in order to look into this better, I really strongly recommend Googling um, CCC for Catechism of the Catholic Church and then the Tenets of Catholic Social Teaching. Um, But to to wrap this up, we're curious to know what you think. We encourage you to consider all of these issues, discuss them with your family and friends, and and even reply to us if you'd like. Yeah, feel free to comment where you can. You can send uh, us an email for now. You can send it to leonamary at gmail.com. But tell us what you think. Can you vote for Biden and still be considered an informed Catholic? Uh, What do you think about this show? Do you have any other... Uh, insight or anything that we left out or anything that you would like to make a point about we'd love to hear from you and we certainly thank you for listening to the very first episode of hello minnesota with tony and leona thank you so much for taking the time yeah we appreciate (laughs) it and have a good day everybody god bless you bye